wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 274, James Thompson. Now, James runs the Prosper show. Um, Amazing show. Um, More amazing than ever. And you look at the agenda, and I have a link to it. Um, be clear, I don't benefit in any way. Um, however, I'm blown away with the education that they're going to give you. It's funny, we got talking about CPEs, uh, being in the accounting profession, or if you're a teacher or any of those kind of profession engineers, you have to do those continual profession, continual, continuing professional education, right? CPEs. Um, it's almost like we need to do that now as e-commerce sellers, as it evolves, because the issues that we're dealing with, driving traffic, right? Um, uh, how to, because you're competing against major, major companies, and Jim talks about that, click funnels now, right? Who's dealing with click funnels? And you see all this stuff out there, and you, your head's probably spinning. Well, you got to go learn about this stuff. So again, I don't benefit in any way other than uh, you having more success and really learning how to compete in this crazy world that's evolving faster and faster and faster. And for the $799 it costs to go to this event, um, for you to be able to sit there and get in, involved in this at that level, I think is a great deal um, and uh, just an amazing opportunity. So go look at the agenda. So it's prospershow.com. It'll blow you away because I'm blown away. I love the keynote speaker. I can't wait very impressive. Um, the other place that we got to in the conversation that really got me thinking differently, um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a smaller seller, so I think this way. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm selling on Amazon. I want to sell on Walmart or Jet or whatever. He's like, well, you want to think a little bit bigger than that. You know, these are small. You know, when it comes to the U.S., it's Amazon pretty much and everybody else. But go look at some of these other com- countries there are massive, massive marketplaces that nobody's even talking about. And he starts saying, hey, if you're building a brand, maybe that's a place you ought to focus. And I was like, huh. I think my jaw dropped when I was listening to him. And I'm thinking, you're right. You know, that you got to think bigger. And it all comes down to strategy. And this is what James is focused on. And that's why he's so successful. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast, and I'm very excited about my guest. He's a return guest, and he's kind of got—he's kind of busy. Uh, he's been—he's been putting together kind of the biggest event in our little e-commerce world that I'm aware of. Maybe there's some bigger ones, but not that I'm aware of. Not that I get invited to. James Thompson, welcome, James. Thanks for having me on again, Stephen. Well, I appreciate you coming back on. So here's uh, James' story. You got to go back and listen because the dude's got a pedigree. He's got knowledge. He's got he's got a lot going on. One forty seven, which I'm now in two. So about half uh, halfway. Wow, 
about double. November of 2016 was the last time we talked. That's incredible. Um, I just I thought it was last year, and I didn't realize um, how long ago it was. Um, you're busy because you have this little dinky conference called Prosper coming up, uh, March 13th and 14th in Las Vegas. Um, and it's just this little dinky thing, right? There might be a couple dozen people there, you think? <laughs> we we are able to attract 13, 1,400 people to this event. And quite frankly, uh, you know, if we had more room, we would welcome more people than that. Because this is a continuing education event, it's all about how do you bring knowledge and expertise to bear so that more people can learn? How do you help people get um, authoritative content rather than having to waddle through uh, seller forum contacts and try to find information? So um, I'm a big believer that we can't look to Amazon to find the information that's needed to be successful sellers. And so it's important to have a method of vetting content and vetting speakers to find high-quality content and high-quality topics that's going to help all of us become better sellers, more efficient, more profitable sellers. Well, I like the way you said it uh, continuing. It's like a CPE. It really is um, a CPE, um, continuing professional education. That's what it seems to me because because it's become sophisticated. I mean, you've been in this world for a long time. It is night and day difference than a few years ago, isn't it? I, I was... Ten, nine years ago, I was Amazon's first FBA account manager, and back in those days, I was trying to tell people that, hey, Amazon has some extra warehouse space. Wouldn't <laughs> you love for us to store your stuff? And obviously, you know, look at where we are now with FBA. Look at where we are now with Seller Fulfilled Prime. Look at our where we are now with you know, new categories that have come online and uh, unified accounts overseas and all this exciting stuff that, quite frankly, is fabulous if you understand how it works and what it can do for you. But it's scary as heck. It's, if you don't know how it works, it's kind of like a doctor saying, well, you, you might be sick with one of these 50 new diseases we've just diagnosed. <laughs> but, but the reality is, uh, until you know what's going on and you can figure out, does that match what I'm trying to do with my own business, you know, the, all these new options aren't necessarily bonus opportunities. So part of putting sense to all these potential opportunities and saying, I'm ready for this. I'm not ready for this one. I'm ready for this one. You know, I could be ready for this one, but I need to get a partner to help me with this. And this particular area, there's no way I'm ever going to do that because I don't have the right kind of products or the right kind of sourcing. You know, making sense of all of that. Um, gone are the days of somebody saying, wow, Amazon's big. I should try selling a bunch of stuff there because I'm sure I could make money. No, the reality is we've got to have a very specific strategy. What are we trying to do? What's our point of differentiation? How flexible are we? What kind of data do we have to support our decisions? That, that kind of sophistication is now pretty much paramount to being a successful seller. And I, I'm realistic that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy to fail on Amazon. Um, I had the opportunity to run Amazon services. Nobody says that, where, Jim, by the way. Hold on a second. I don't want to pause, do pause you on that. Nobody ever sure. says that. You're one of the few that has ever said that, that it's easy to fail. I, I'm with you. I agree with you. But Nobody talks about that. You know, let's let's be honest. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. most people are like, hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread. This is miracles. This is the place that miracles happen. You know, this is your chance to be, you know, this is the, the Wild West, um, the gold rush. That's what people, quite frankly, say. And generally, they're offering courses and stuff like that. So here you are saying, hey, that 
and maybe that was the time. There was a time. Guys, I've been at FBA since 2011, and man, uh-huh. it was crazy uh-huh. back then. But to be fair, it's different today. Well, uh, I, I look at it as uh, unless you understand that if, if you're a brand new seller and you're looking at selling on Amazon, first of all, there's 2 million plus sellers already there. Some of them have super sophisticated software they've built to scrape huge amounts of data and essentially find the needles in the haystack. Some of them have incredible sourcing capabilities far beyond anything that, you know, some guy gets on a plane, goes to China and says, I, I got somebody to build something for me. No, there's all, there's all sorts of business strategies out there that you know, I didn't even fully appreciate until I left Amazon and had a chance to have some very frank conversations with some sellers about how is it you're actually making money here? When I realized what they were doing, I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is, this is stuff where, uh, you know, if I was a business school student seeing this, my head would spin because this is not traditional theory of how you make money, and yet people have figured out unique ways to do this. The other stuff that's going on that, quite frankly, you need to know if you're going to be a seller on Amazon, you've got a lot of irrational sellers out there, sellers who don't have the right kind of data to drive their business, and they're losing money left, right, and center, and they don't even realize it. And you're competing against these guys. And so, you know, you buy something, you put a little markup on it, you try to sell it, and you've got a competitor who's selling it for 20% less, and you're saying, how's that possible? I thought I have the best sourcing price, and yet these guys are selling it. They couldn't possibly be making money. You're right. They're not making money. And the worst problem is they don't realize they're not making money, but because they don't have unit economics on their SKUs, they, they may conceal the fact that they're not making money on certain products for a long time and continue to be there competing against you. And you're saying, gosh, I put $50,000 of hard-earned income into this new business of being an Amazon seller, and I don't know how to, how to actually make profit. And, and, and in years, that scenario, you're not sure. you're not going against anything. You've done everything right. You did the research. You went and you did everything right, like you're saying. And then all you of a sudden... You did everything right, except you didn't understand what kind of competitive landscape you have. Right. You don't know what kind of companies you're up against. And you assume that everybody you're up against has a logic that somehow makes sense to you. And yet it doesn't. And you don't necessarily think of all the overseas companies that you might also be competing against, some of which may or may not be selling legitimate product. Um, I mean, how much time do you plan to spend selling product on Amazon where you're spending hours a day filing tickets with Amazon just to level out the playing field and get rid of all the shenanigans that you may be, be having to deal with with your listings today? I mean, that, that kind of stuff is not why people become entrepreneurs. And yet, if you want to be a successful Amazon seller, you've got to know where the landmines are. And Amazon doesn't have an incentive to tell you where the landmines are. People who sell you you know, silver bullet courses on make your millions on Amazon, they, they don't necessarily want to slow you down from the reality of it's hard work and you need to slog every day to make this work. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to stop somebody from being a seller. What I'm trying to do is make sure their eyes are completely wide open. They know what the risks are. And yes, they also know what the rewards are. It, it's very easy to say there's millions to be made if all I do is these three quick steps. Yeah, yeah the reality is, 99% of us don't have anything particularly unique in terms of there's, there's no barriers to entry. What we're doing, there's no meaningful secret sauce that somebody else couldn't replicate. Just think of it this way. If there's 2 million sellers on Amazon, every single one of them could be your competitor tomorrow if they decided to be. On anything, no matter what you sell. On anything. Yep. You sell widgets, I sell widgets. 
your widget does this doodad, my widget does this doodad. Well, guess what? If I decide that your widget's really that interesting, I'll go find somebody who will make me the same thing. And if I'm clever or if I'm illogical about my margins, I'll decide to sell it at 10% less than you. Well, then so, that's a good point. So, so give me an example. So right there, you and I sell the same thing. You decide, you say, oh my God, Steve, this uh, yep. Star- Starbucks coffee you're selling there is amazing, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking at mm-hmm. my coffee cup. Um, I'm coming into, you don't tell me, you're coming into that marketplace. So what can you do different than me to make that, uh, to, to compete against me, right? I mean, because that's really what it comes down to is why are some people, not everybody's an outlier, I mean, that, that doesn't make sense, right? So there are outliers. It, taking them out, but the general practice, uh, the business people, how are they competing against all those other things you just described, all those other challenges, the, the best scrapers, the teams, the, the people yeah. who are playing games with reviews, whole teams just placing reviews sure. unfairly sure. and all that jazz. How do you compete against that? Well, first of all, uh, I, I think it's hard to get into the Amazon game with a short-term plan. I think you have to be in this for the long haul, meaning you may not make a lot of margin right now, but you're building the right infrastructure that says, I have the right kind of reports. I've done the right kind of work to figure out what kind of products make sense for my capabilities. I'm willing to be flexible and adjust out my catalog on a regular basis because the products I sell today, uh, the margin might get suppressed. Or, they or evolve, reduced. right? You have to evolve. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I can't tell you how many sellers I saw during my Amazon, when I was running Amazon services, companies that said, ah, I'm excited. I'm a new seller on Amazon. My next door neighbor's kid can get me access to this cool product. You know, I got, I got a pretty good price on it. Right then and there, I'm thinking, you know, 90% of you are going to fail hmm. because the reality is you have no point of differentiation. You think you have access to a product that's unique. You think your pricing is somehow better. But how is it that you, with $50,000 of, of startup cash, how is it that you're competing with a highly sophisticated seller who's got millions who can place an order 10 times bigger or better yet can go directly to the source and buy it at at a different wholesale price and be willing to uh, sell it for a lower margin because they've got scale that you don't. Okay, I'm not saying that you're not going to be able to overcome that, but you need to recognize that you've got to be extra nimble You've got to understand how to play the Amazon marketplace game better than anybody else. How do you do listing optimization? How, how do you do advertising better than anybody else? How do you use social media to drive traffic to, to your listings? That kind of stuff, most people don't say, oh, I need a crash course in that in order to get started as a seller. And, and yet to know what you're doing as a, success, as a seller and course correct on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, you need to have good data and you need to be willing to say, I'm not emotionally connected to any of the products I sell. I'm in the widget selling business. And by the way, Amazon's a transactional marketplace. It's not about, I'm going to build long-term relationships with my customers. You know, if you get a repeat purchase, that's nice. But that's not how the marketplace is set up to help you. You've got to think about, how do I make a bunch of uh, profitable transactions one after the other? Well, you know, just, just the, mere, the, the mere statement, how do I be in the position of making profitable transactions, I better know my costs at the SKU level. I mean, that, that's, that's start one. Uh, am I actually making money selling this product? And we're not talking, you know, what's my procurement cost minus my Amazon fees. I'm talking, do you know your return rates and the return-related costs? Do you know your overhead that you need to apply to, to the business? Are there any kind of hidden product development 
or business uh, development costs or professional development costs that are part of you running the business that need to be factored in, into the sale of an individual SKU. Um, if you're looking at this seriously and you're in a situation where you figured out what the thresholds are that you need to meet to be profitable on any SKU, then you're going to be much pickier about the products that you sell. I couldn't care less if you sell a million dollars a top line. What I care about is, are you making bottom line? And do you know exactly whether or not you're making profit on all the SKUs you sell? Uh, I, I have worked uh, in my days after Amazon, I've worked with a number of companies where the task has been, let's rationalize what you're selling, each SKU in your catalog. Oh, turns out we could shave 20 to 30% of the products in your catalog. We could get rid of them completely. You would reduce your top line and significantly increase your bottom line. That is to say, you're currently actually losing money by the time you factor in all your costs. You're losing money selling these products. You're wasting your time. You're helping Amazon make money while no one else is making money. And, and yet, why are you in the business? You're in the business to make money. And I can show you how to make more money by selling less product. Hmm. That's a kind of upside down model of how I like to run a business. You so, know, when we were at uh, Prosper Show last time, we're sitting at a table, right? And there's uh-huh. this, I mean, let me uh, let me describe it to you, right? Like you don't know this. Sure. There's this monstrous room where everybody eats. Sure. And there's all the vendors around it. And so we're sitting sure. at this table, and you just luckily get to talk to people. And so there's this young woman there, very nice, very polite. We're chatting with her. Turns out she's running the new internet sales division of this particular company. And sure. we were kind of joked about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, they have a couple thousand products. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. They have a problem with Amazon sellers dropping prices, and it's affecting things and this and that. But they were investing in her, and then she came to your event to get invested, to learn, and to understand this. Because it's, now, whatever products they're selling, she told me they have thousands of products in their catalog. They're taking it over themselves because they're tired of dealing with non-professional, you know, whatever, you know, the whole sure. the whole gamut that you hear. When you look at the, the businesses, I mean, are you getting more of those kind of companies approaching you saying, look, we need to learn and we need to learn at this high level? And then my follow-up to that would be is, again, that's another person that's going to be much more sophisticated that's competing against me, isn't it? Yep. So let's start by talking about what are national brands doing today? Hmm. You know, the, the brands that you and I know when we walk into the grocery store or national brands when we walk into Office Depot or Home Depot or whatever, you know, th- those companies today, the vast majority of them, wholesale products to Amazon retail. And Amazon does the, the 1P thing, and those brands say, gosh, we are B2B companies. We, we know how to do the B2B sourcing or supplying to, to major retailers. Well, it turns out this Amazon marketplace is so wildly different than a brand wholesaling products to some large brick-and-mortar retailer. And, and the dynamics in play are far more complicated, not just because a brand needs to figure out how to make money on Amazon, but because they don't know how, to, how, the, how the marketplace works inside and out, it, it gives opportunity for third-party sellers, authorized, unauthorized, and everything in between, to, to make a living because they understand how to play the Amazon marketplace game better than the national brands. And so what's happening is some of these brands are starting to wake up and realize, wait a minute, we, we've we've lost control of our distribution, hmm. which means we've lost control of our pricing, 
which means the Amazon marketplace is typically going to be, if not the lowest, close to the lowest price of anywhere out there, online or offline. And we don't like the fact that all of our brick-and-mortar retailers are saying, how come things are always cheaper on Amazon? And we as a brand um, have to answer, we don't know who all these companies are selling our product. We don't know why um, or how it is they got the product. But it's clearly causing a problem with pricing, both online and offline. And so some of these brands are starting to say, hmm, we, we need to change the model. Because w whether it's selling products to Amazon or selling it to an authorized reseller or an exclusive authorized reseller, in the end, we need to control distribution so that we can be in a better position to control pricing, better position to control what inventory, what selection is available on Amazon, and try to create price parity, Amazon, with all other channels so that we don't end up uh, creating huge strife with all of our brick-and-mortar partners, or worse yet, uh, creating problems with distributors who say, you know what? I'm no longer going to supply your products or try to find other uh, brick-and-mortar outlets for you because, quite frankly, customers are just going to buy on Amazon anyways. Yeah, you're hurting so, my brand. I mean, that, that's what they're basically saying, yeah. So all, all these dynamics are in play. Um, for, for companies that are big, sophisticated resellers, third-party sellers, whether they're national brands who have figured out how to do this themselves or they're private label brands or you know general merchandisers who are third-party sellers – the game is really about understanding how to make the most of the Amazon channel and to know where the weaknesses are, not because of the design of the Amazon channel, but because national brands don't know what they're doing or distributors don't know what they're doing. Or, unfortunately, many third-party sellers don't know what they're doing or don't appreciate that there are seemingly irrational behaviors being demonstrated by competitive third-party sellers. All of that is in play at the same time. And it creates the situation where there's all sorts of pockets of opportunity to, to sell your widgets, somebody else's widgets, um, as long as you know how to play the game better than everybody else. And that's what Prosper is all about, is, is helping people figure out wh where there's opportunity, not only to play the game better on Amazon, but how to be a better run entrepreneurial organization. Are you, in fact, a good business person? You know, are you doing the right things as a business person, not just to make cash each year, but are you building assets that can mm. be sold? And what, what I've are you heard doing? that from so many people. Assets. That's the new phrase. Are you building an asset or are you just, you know, have a job? Short-term short cash flow that comes by you being a seller is all very nice and well. But when the day comes that you say, I don't want to be a seller anymore, is anybody going to pay you for what you've built? Hmm. And in the case of a lot of third-party sellers, unfortunately, there's not really anything to sell. Okay, I've got some inventory you can buy, but okay, that's not an asset. Uh, do you have a brand that's worth buying that can be turned into something bigger and better? But my frame of mind, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate this until maybe two years ago. But I've taken on that frame of mind of, I'm a private equity investor, and I'm going to buy something, and in three to four years, I want it to be worth a lot more that I can turn around and sell it. Well, if I was in the business of putting money into a brand new Amazon seller and saying, I need you to build me something that I can sell for you know, $10 million in four years, the vast majority of third-party seller accounts would completely fail in that dynamic. Instead, what we would see is the owner of those third-party accounts being in a position where, yes, they are definitely building annual, annual revenue and annual income, but there's no asset of any value that anybody would buy from them. 
And yes, some companies get into building private label brands, but is it really a brand or is it just a product that has your brand name on it? Very big difference between the two. Well, what's the difference? Something... Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what the difference would be. No, a, a brand, it, it, to me, a brand, and, and this is a, a little bit of an academic perspective, but a brand is a product where you have put the investment into being able to extract higher prices than whatever the generic necessarily would be. So, you know, you sell a doodad that does this, this, and this. Guess what? Anybody else could go to a manufacturing plant and get the same product made. But the fact that you put, you know, ABC brand on that box makes customers say, gosh, I'm willing to pay a premium because I love the ABC brand and I want to pay a premium for the opportunity to use this product. Well, that's really what a brand is. So like and, a car, let's let's think of Tesla versus all these other electric cars or Cadillac versus General Motors, right? So that's a good it, example. These are, yeah, they're all brands, and there are different brand promises to each of them. You know, if I'm comparing buying a Pinto versus buying a Tesla, I don't know if you can buy Pintos, but, you know, just for the sake of the You're discussion. You're dating yourself there, dude. If, you if, just, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I want to buy a Chevette, you know, Chevette's a good car for the price range, but it's not going to have a bunch of features and a bunch of experiential aspects that are going to get me excited. You know, it may be a functional vehicle, um, but it's not going to have, you know, Bluetooth. It's not going to have a six CD changer. It's not going to have GPS incorporated into it and that's a free Spotify account and all that kind of good stuff. You know, if I buy a Tesla, there's going to be a bunch of other stuff in there that is included. And so I expect different things out of the brand. Um, well, you know, obviously there's a different price point for the two, and the cars are not comparable on many other dimensions as well. But even if I take two brands that functionally look very similar, you know, the fact that I take a can of Coke and I put the Coke label on the outside versus I just take a blank aluminum can and I put something in there that tastes basically the same, I don't feel like the same human being when I grab that can and I open it up and go, ah, I'm paying a 30-cent premium because I've got a can of Coke in my hands it tastes exactly the same as this other can of who knows what in a generic looking label. So, uh, so you could create this. Let's just stay with that example. So, yeah, yeah. anybody can create the soda and sell yeah. it and probably have a little bit of moderate success or whatever. Sure. And but that's not really. There's no real value to it because there's, like you said, there's not a big barrier to entry. However, a brand would give you that that extra depth, right? That value that somebody's willing to pay for that intangible asset, right? So today, a lot of companies will build, a lot of private label sellers will go out, they'll, they'll source a product, they'll put their brand name on it, they'll get a UPC, and they'll spend a bunch of money on Amazon to drive traffic to their listings because they're, they're bidding keywords that matter, and they're getting you know top one, two, three positions. Customers see the product and say, hmm, I'll try it out. Enough of them buy the product. Maybe that seller is doing a good job of getting feedback, so the product starts to grow feedback over time. But we don't really have a brand yet. Because the reality is, if you were to kill your advertising budget, uh, it wouldn't and stand on its your, own. Your, your listings weren't necessarily fully SEO optimized for Amazon. Uh, would people go looking for that brand? When people go looking for the brand, that that's when I feel that you have you have created extra value for the brand. Uh, when it, when you're just buying placement, when you're saying my billboard's bigger than your billboard you still don't really have a brand. All you've done is you've suffocated the competition from being seen above the fold. That's not mm. branding. That's advertising. And, that's and hacking. Very different things. That's hacking, 
really. There's nothing I mean, wrong with hacking. I mean, you're, no, you're I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that's not, but that's short term. You're buying short term sales, short term cash flow, but but the, but the real test is when the ads, when the ad budget disappears, does awareness or interest in your brand disappear, or are people actually saying, "I am looking. I love that. You know that Stephen brand, that ABC brand. That's fantastic." Give me that product. I'm going to go search for it. I'm going to do a branded search for this item on Amazon versus a generic product search. That That's when you start to create some form of loyalty that people are willing to pay extra for. That's mm-hmm. not what most private label brands today have created. You know, that's a good segue because I'm sitting here thinking about um, your main speaker, your keynote speaker. Yep. And his whole premise, and I'm not going to drop his name yet, is basically, you know, create something that you don't have to do every single function, right? It's, and, and the, his talk is called, Why Most Amazon Seller Businesses Don't Work. Mm-hmm. And then he follows up with, and what to do about it. And so yep. that's very relevant to what you just said. I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's Michael Gerber from eMyth. And it's just fascinating to me that, the business has evolved to go, you know, to this point, this quickly. Now you're you're student, perpetual student. I mean, this is a pretty fast moving marketplace, or not marketplace. I, you know, I don't know what to call it. I mean, it 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 doesn't happen this fast in the oil industry, right? Or the, even the car industry. This is pretty quick. How it's evolved to this place, wouldn't you say? I think we still have the same basics in place. You, you, you need a strategy. You need a plan. You need data to evaluate how well you're doing. And when the Amazon marketplace started, you know, 20 years ago, yep, there, there were a lot of people that could just throw whatever they wanted up there. It was new selection customers weren't seeing. Those companies started getting sales. Amazon launched FBA, which gave companies that weren't really sophisticated enough to run large businesses, it gave them the operational opportunity to be much bigger than they probably deserve to be. Again, nothing wrong with that. But you've got a mechanism here where at some point there's enough competition on the on the platform that those companies that do have a strategy, do have data, do have a formalized daily, weekly, monthly process for running their business that, that provides a certain level of discipline and a willingness to change out the catalog, to change their pricing, to change direction if necessary because competition has shifted too much making some part of their business really no longer attractive for them. Uh, unless you've got companies that have that level of sophistication, um, they're, they're basically lucky guys who got on the street corner to sell product before anybody else showed up. When did that well, change? Because you're right. I mean, you're right. It's now at that place. But was it last year, the year before? I mean, because there's definitely been a complete change. I mean, there's been an evolution. It's been in the last couple of years, right? I know it's I mean, been a slow change. I mean, it's that ship that's slowly changed. But, I mean, it's like now it's night and day. I mean, it, there has been a – we're past that tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell will say. I don't, I don't know exactly when, when this would have happened, and I, and I think that there are still some sellers that are selling a lot of volume but, quite frankly, are spending far more effort than mm-hmm. they should be selling that much top line only to discover they're not really making any bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to, to give you a, a straight answer on that, Stephen, because um, you know there, there are an awful lot of really large sellers on Amazon who are doing really well because they've got some discipline in place. 
and, and they're not they're not going to announce to the world, hey, we're disciplined and we're eating your lunch. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to keep eating your lunch. Well, so, and you would say that the place to start the discipline is to have a plan. That's the way you started off this whole conversation. You have to have a strategy. You have to have something that you can measure yourself against, win or lose, right? I mean, it might be working or it's not, but at least you'll know. And so all those things matter, and it's all that data. And so, again, this is where we get back to the Prosper kind of event, this continual pressure, uh, professional education. I mean, it's really what it is. It's really, if you're going to be a professional seller, it's almost like a designation you could have by investing in uh, different things. And Steve doesn't benefit. So I want anybody thinking, oh, you know, I make money selling tickets for um, for Jim. No, I don't make a dime on it. I just sit back and I think every time I go to one of these things, I'm smarter because I listen and I meet smarter people than me who are doing much more sophisticated. I'm like, hmm, that makes sense. I can replicate that. I can add that to my business. This makes perfect sense. And when you start, do you know what the profile of the average seller that comes to Prosper any idea what their sales or how long they've been selling or anything like that? So I, I can only provide self-reported data from sellers, but, but about 60% of our sellers um, do over a million a year. And a million is pretty much the threshold to be top 1% seller on Amazon. So if, if the room is more than half full with top 1% sellers, I didn't say they're top one smartest sellers. I said they're top one largest sellers. But the good news is they're at an event where they're looking to learn right. more about how to make their businesses better. And so the, the, the mere fact that they are attending, asking questions of the speakers, networking with each other to learn more about best practices, that, that's really, that's really the, the, the beauty of building a community of people that want to learn. One of the hardest things about being an Amazon seller is that, and I, I don't mean to, to be male-specific, but you know, most sellers are a man with standing on their own island, you know, or a woman standing on her own island. There's not a lot of interaction with other sellers there to say, uh, do I know what I'm doing with this part of the business? Is there a better way to be doing this? It turns out you know, a lot of us are kind of learning by doing, and lo and behold, we may be wasting a lot of time covering ground that lots of other sellers before us have already covered and said, oh, no, 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 there's a much better way to do it. Or you can streamline that by doing this, this, and this, or working with this third-party service provider and they'll get you the software and bingo, you know, that six-hour-a-day task becomes a 10-minute exercise. And you know, so that, you that, bought time, right? How much is that time worth, That what your example, six hours to 10 minutes? It's worth a fortune. I, I don't like the idea of somebody spending more time on their business just because they think that's how they're going to grow their business. Hmm. I would rather you build a proper process, set of processes and infrastructure that says, I've got the right software. I've got the right amount of time allocated to different specific activities. Some of them are short-term activities. Some of them are you know, weekly updates. Some of them are monthly updates. So some of them are activities where you know, I reflect and say, where am I going to need to course correct in the next three months? And what am I doing about it right now to start preparing to make those shifts? Um, that, that, that's all discipline where you basically say, I have only so many hours in the day, the week, the month. I need to allocate at least a certain amount of time to non-day-to-day operational stuff. I need to think more about, uh, you know, how do I build and protect the wealth that I'm apparently growing here? What am I doing to think about how to position my business for an eventual exit? You know, this kind of stuff, you need to take time to to think through these things. Because if, you know, five years into a frustrating process of being a seller and watching yourself spend more time to make the same amount of money because there's now more competition on Amazon, you, know, you may you may just walk away from the business rather than saying, 
I've actually built something up that's an asset that somebody will pay me for, and I can get rid of this headache and actually make some money selling it to somebody else. I was reading a book uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, and it was talking about business failings. And it said, you know, I think it was 40% of businesses fail within the first five years. And then it jumped to 80 in the first 10 or okay. 8 or something like that. And then at 10, it yep. was like 96%. And it, this was a general, you know, business. This is retail, restaurants, everything. I wonder, you know, uh, if there's an evolution going on in this e-commerce world now, too, because... You know, uh, as you're describing it, you know, you're sitting there saying, hey, wait a second, I've got a whole bunch of companies that are investing time to learn something, and they're going back and putting it into their business and applying these concepts, right? So you're saying, hey, you need to learn now and for three months out, right, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those companies that do that absolutely distance themselves, right? from others, right? Because if they if they take this knowledge and apply it, they have distanced themselves from Steve. And so I wonder how, if we're going to start to see that, where, you know, cream rises to the top, we all know that, but you're going to start to see that differentiation, that knowledge really start to create this chasm, this this gap, it, it, a growing gap. Um, and I wonder if we're going to start to see that. In, I mean, logically, it makes sense that we would, right? One of our speakers coming to our event in a couple months um, started his seller business uh, out of his out of his dorm room, college dorm room. Hmm. And last year he sold his business for eighty million dollars. Whoa! I got the chills and when you said that. I, I, got the I, I don't I don't know about you, but eighty million dollars is a good enough exit for I'm me. I'm excited. I've got the chills. That was a number. That's my number. That's good. Another another company I know. Um, sold, built and sold a brand for $50 million built on Amazon. Another company I know, um, the, the number's over $100 million. These are companies that took the time to say, wait a minute, this isn't just about short-term cash flow so I can feed myself and my family and maybe buy a new car every 10 years. They, these are people who have said, wait a minute, I'd rather grow a little bit slower but be very diligent about it, put the right process in place, so that I can scale and I can do things where I'm building not just cash flow, but I'm building long-term wealth, and there's an opportunity here for an exit. But to me, that's way more interesting. I'll tell you one of the most interesting things that I have seen in the last 16, 18 months is the number of private equity companies that are starting to sniff around and say, mm-hmm. this, this thing, these Amazon sellers, some of them actually look pretty good as an investment opportunity. Lots of them aren't. But some of them do, and they all seem to have consistent, systematic processes, you know, a level of discipline both with operations and with data. We need to learn how these companies work, and we might need to buy a couple of them because this Amazon marketplace is here to stay, and the companies that know how to play the game and build brands, real brands, those are the companies that private equity money wants to get behind. Um, that, that's I've seen a it very with, interesting distinction. Very oh, I agree with you. From, from I've research. seen it with software. I mean, think about it. Look at the developers that are in this Amazon world. And I've had a few of them on, and they're like, Steve, this this is where the market is right now. Everybody's working on Amazon seems interesting. They have no, they don't sell anything. They don't do it. They build software. And so that's kind of the lead before the, uh, the VCs come. But it, it's absolutely real um, that there's a focus because it's, it's become so big. Um, when you look at other marketplaces. I mean, is there another marketplace out there right now yet? I mean, I know, 
you know, it's it's almost all Amazon. But is there somebody who's coming up, and are does that get addressed in any of the uh, any of the sessions that are coming out? Restate the question. I'm not not sure where you want to go. Well, I don't think I did a good job asking because my mind went seven different places as I said it. But basically I'm saying is that, you know, it's right now we're talking all Amazon because it is the marketplace. Uh Is there another marketplace that's evolving um, that's worth the effort and energy of these larger sellers and strategy that you're seeing? And if so, is there somebody at the conference that's starting to address that? I mean, it used to be, oh, you got to have your own Shopify site. Well, those are all givens now. I mean, that's easy. But it's, is there any place else that's starting to evolve? So if you're into this strategy and planning that uh, people should be looking at, that's, that's where I was going. So in the United States, it's it's really about Amazon and then everything else. Okay. Um, as you start to look internationally, yeah, there's stuff in China that makes a lot of sense. There are literally dozens of international marketplaces that are a billion dollars each that exist that most of us have never heard of, and yet Western brands are in high demand in these places. And so uh, okay. what, what are companies doing? If you're actually building a private label brand – and you're trying to make it into an actual brand where you can legitimately say there's a long-term asset being built. And what are you doing to build distribution in other countries? Um, what are you doing to get the word out to consumers who are looking for products like yours in, in parts of the world beyond just Amazon USA? So, I mean, some, some of these questions, there's no quick answer, but you've got to start asking yourself the question, should I be expanding into other countries? And it's not so much, oh, if I spend 10 hours today building my China, Japan, Europe presence, will I make as much money as if I take that same 10 hours and spend it building my U.S. Amazon operations? That's not the question I would ask. Instead, what I would ask is, if I put those 10 hours into building out distribution in other countries, does that get me closer to my goal of actually having a real brand that I can sell to somebody? That's the question I want to answer. Oh, I like that. And, and you know, because I'm sitting here in my mind like, so you're suggesting that, Steve, there might be a bigger opportunity than taking your coffee and putting it on Walmart or Jet or eBay, whatever. Perhaps there are, you know, is it Rakuten? I don't know if Rakuten's still the name that they use over in Japan or is it Buy.com, whichever one it is. Uh, those might be bigger opportunities. Or Amazon China or Amazon Australia now, right? The big one. And so those might be bigger opportunities, but again, without a plan, without a strategy, uh-huh. without going through the data, you're not going to know that. And again, we, we, we have, talk we to people guy, who have done that, right? We, we have a guy coming who's a specialist in Tmall and what brands do to help protect, or sorry, what Tmall does to help protect brands on Tmall. You know, it's the largest consumer marketplace in the world. And, and yet for most of us, we don't pay any attention to it. Because um, it's another country, it's another language, it's several time zones over. Well, okay, you know that's fine. Keep, keep selling on Amazon, and, and please, I'm not trying to stop people from selling on Amazon. I'm trying to get them to think, okay, if I'm actually building an asset that I can sell, so I can actually walk away from this business altogether with a nice little check, or you know, hopefully a nice big check. I've got to think. I've got to. I've got to think about ways that I can evolve my thoughts around how to spend my time, it's not just about short-term cash flow I generate from my existing Amazon.com channel. It's thinking beyond that to what have I done to create brand awareness in other marketplaces? 
what am I doing to capture share in other marketplaces? And I'm not talking just Amazon international marketplaces. I'm talking marketplaces beyond that. And, mm-hmm. and what, am I, what am I doing to think about, is my brand ready to go into brick and mortar channels? Gosh, you know, everyone says, well, wouldn't it be awesome to be end of aisle on a Costco or in a Walmart or what have you? Okay, you know, it might be right for some products. It might not be right for other products. But what are you doing to think about how to make your brand offline ready? Well, that's, that's stuff that's going to take time to research, and that's stuff that's time taken away from building your Amazon business. And yet, if you've got a brand that's got online sales, offline sales, it's got good presence in lots of the brick-and-mortar retailers plus your Amazon presence, you, you can tell a story a whole lot better to a strategic investor that you have something worth selling, and it's worth a lot of money, and they should buy it now before the next potential investor comes along. Man, you just took us right to where we needed to get to. You just sold why people who are thinking this way, who weren't thinking this way, who are now thinking this way, why they need to go to Prosper. And again, Steve doesn't benefit, but it's like these are the type of discussions. If you're really trying to build a real business, these are the kind of discussions you have to take and you have to have, and you need to get around people who have these kind of conversations. That's really where it happens, right? You can read all the books you want, but you know when you get to talk to somebody who's done it, and who, like you said, made the mistakes and has done all those things. And then you get to say, well, here's how I did it. Oh, okay. And then you buy that time. So let's talk tickets. So you still aren't sold out now. Still aren't. I mean, we're, we're a couple months away. So I'm not, I don't mean it that way. I mean, it's going to happen. And I, I know, but as of today, as of when this comes out, which is uh, first week of February or so. Yep. Um, six weeks not, to go. Yep, six weeks to go. There are still tickets available. That's the right way to say it, Steve. Um, and it's $800, $799 for a ticket. And that, you know, taking that six hours to 10 minutes example that you used before, how much is my time worth? Well, I, you know, I'm a pretty heavily degreed guy. I got a couple hundred bucks an hour. So six hours, yep, I made money by coming to the conference. And And so these are the kind of conversations that happen at this level. And as you said, I mean, this is really what, if, if, let me ask you this question, and this is maybe a little naive question, but it's like, all right, I'm a smaller seller who wants to be a bigger seller, and mm-hmm. I would like to play at that bigger game, Jim. Right. And I'm thinking, right. is, is it too late for me, or can I really, by investing the time and then coming back and applying what I learned, can I make it at that same level as some of these bigger competitors, or is it just too far gone? I don't think I don't think it's too late for companies to want to put sophistication in their processes and say, mm-hmm. I know what I need to do. Someone has helped me figure out what I need to do and how to do it. Now I just have to go do it. Right. You got to um, learn it, apply it, and 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 continue to learn. <laughs> we, we we're doing something at the show this year we've never done before, and probably people haven't experienced before at conferences they've attended. But we're we're actually rolling out a networking app. And it's kind of like online dating where you put in, here's who I am, here's what I'm good at, and here's what I'm looking to learn. And you get matched up with other sellers who put in the similar types of criteria. So, you know, you and I happen to put in information that says, I'm interested in learning about expanding into China. And you put in your profile that you're happy to talk to people about expanding into China. Guess what? I've never met Stephen. I don't know what Stephen looks like. Stephen doesn't know what I look like. But through the app, we not only are able to figure out that we are matches and we can figure out a good meeting time, but we have predetermined numbered tables throughout the convention where people can say, listen, hey, Stephen, thanks for agreeing to meet with me. 
I'm going to meet with you at table 14 at noon. We'll talk for 15 minutes. We can figure out if we've got something to talk about. But in the end, if I go to the show and I meet five people who have interests similar to mine, people I would never have met by wandering around a conference and saying, are you somebody who can talk to me about China? Hmm. Well, actually, this is a very simple way to cut through the clutter and find the right people who have interests that match with yours so that you can walk, from, walk away from the show with five, six, ten contacts who, you, who can help. You can help them. They can help you so that when you do go back to your island as a third-party seller, wherever it is you live, you can call up James. You can call up Stephen. You can call up these other people that you met who have comparable needs and comparable interests, and you can, you can learn from each other. Here, here's the way I think about the world. Every seller on Amazon could be selling your widget. But the reality is we can certainly help each other with some of the operational and process issues, regardless of the pipes that we happen to build to sell whatever widgets through those pipes. So we, we, we want to make the Prosper event not just an amazing educational opportunity, but also an amazing networking opportunity. So to the extent that someone thinks it's worth spending two days a year to get out there, meet with other sellers, big, small, everything in between, plus hear from speakers – uh, from speakers who are talking about issues that you may have thought of, you may not have thought of, things that you're not thinking about enough that you should be thinking more about. You know, that's really what the experience is all about. What, what, what are, one of the issues that you had raised with me, Stephen, was you know, so some of the stuff we talk about is not very popular. And actually, last year, we talked about sales tax. And it's, it's not very popular. But the reality is, prior to us bringing that topic to Prosper, we, we personally have worked with lots of companies who got the wake-up call. And the wake-up call was a letter in the mail from some state, uh, some state, state, uh, company, state auditor saying, um, you have been an FBA seller, you've been selling in our state, and you haven't been paying or collecting sales tax, and you owe us a big chunk of money, so you better pony up. You know, I, I don't like seeing that happen to our clients, but we've seen it. And we brought this topic to prosper this last year. And we, we got the best speakers on this topic to come and talk. What's the law? What does it mean to us? How do we address or interpret the law as it relates to being an FBA seller? So we, it's not that we're trying to get a bunch of auditors to pay attention to Amazon sellers. Not at all. The reality is they're already paying attention. They already have teams of people going to trade shows, teams of people buying lists of Amazon seller contacts. Uh, that, you know, the state of Massachusetts last week, two weeks ago, finally got uh, the legal okay. And Amazon's going to turn over the identity of all the FBA sellers who have had product in the state of Massachusetts at some point. Guess what? I'm sure the other states are paying great attention to that, and we'll do the same thing, filing the right kind of legal paperwork to get Amazon to turn over similar information. Guess what happens when the state of California, Texas, Pennsylvania, Florida, all decide to audit you at the same time saying, you're an FBA seller, you haven't been collecting sales tax, and uh, now we want our money. Well, you know, part of my responsibility putting an educational event together is not just to say, hey, there's all these cool things that will help you grow your business. Yeah. Responsibility is also to say, listen, there's all these other issues that are holding you back or that are about to blindside you, and you need to be aware of this so that you can get prepared, get organized, get the right partners in place, because I don't want you guys to get blindsided. You want to be successful entrepreneurs, that doesn't mean that I can't tell you how to be healthier in terms of how you run your business. And that's, that's kind of where we are right now when it comes to agenda for our show. 
yep, let's talk about the cool, sexy things that everybody wants to talk about. But let's also make sure we include some topics that you probably aren't spending enough time thinking about or you may not even realize you need, you need to be thinking about. That's really what a, a full-service educational event is meant to provide. It, they're tough stuff. conversations. Yeah, you have to have them. Ooh. It's like it's like going to see your doctor once a year. Oh, yeah. The doctor says, I like you. You're a nice guy. Everything's great. Versus, well, we looked at the test results, and you have heart disease, and you have fungus growing on your toenails, and uh, you don't wash often enough, and uh, your mama dressed you funny. You know, all, all these kinds of things. You need honest feedback on what you need to do to make yourself better. I didn't say all the things you need to do to make more money with no effort. No, I said all the things you need to do where you need to put more discipline in place, reduce the liabilities or potential liabilities in what you're currently doing, and at the same time put best practices around what you are doing so that if you are doing certain things well, let's make sure you do those even faster and even better, but at the same time avoid having crazy holes in the bucket that prevents you from uh, making money every time you decide to sell a product. Well, and, you know, as I sit and think about this, if, if I'm not paying tax or collecting tax and paying it, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If if all those things are true, then really it's yeah. not a profitable business. I'm thinking it's profitable. And then when, if I really, you know, it's like insurance. I always say this to people, hey, if you're not, yeah. if you don't carry insurance and workers comp and all the rest of that jazz, then you probably really don't have a profitable business, right? You really, if you carry all those additional costs, which you're required to, right? That's really how you can evaluate if you have. If you're doing it because, you know, you're reusing boxes and other things, well, that's fine. But if you're taking these other shortcuts, that's a big risk. Um, and, you know, maybe you'll win. But what happens when you don't? And so, ooh, good, well, good even, tough even, discussion. Even, even if you think you are winning, let's say you think you've built an asset and it's time to sell, and you go to talk to your broker about selling your business, your broker's going to do due diligence. Your broker's oh, going to yeah. discover that you've got this massive tax liability. And that company you think you're selling for, you know, $5 million, ooh, it's got $2 million of tax liability tied to it, and the buyer is never going to take on that liability. So, you know, you'll, you're lucky if you get that $3 million purchase price rather than that $5 million purchase price. And here's the crazy thing about sales tax. If you fix the problem and you do what you need to do today, then you can sleep well at night because if that auditor letter does show up on your doorstep tomorrow, you're covered. You're collecting mm -hmm. tax. You're paying tax. It's passed through expense. Amazon customers are paying the tax. You know, but yes, there are some transactional costs that you're going to need to pay. But if you're a seller of any decent size, accumulating any decent size of sales sales tax liability, you know, you've got to address this anyways. Because if you were opening up brick and mortar stores in all these different states selling the very same products, you'd have to do this anyways. Yeah. So the fact yeah, that they're... you're you know a new new generation online seller, it doesn't take away from the fact that you still have the same tax liabilities that every other uh, entrepreneur out there would have if, in fact, they're, they're in the brick-and-mortar space. Well, it's an evolution for sure, and we are there. I mean, it is past that point, as you said. It's, it's getting noticed by all these different I, – I, I do a lot of trade shows, and I, I just tell yeah. some of the story. One of the trade shows I just was yep. at, like, I think last week, week before, and I noticed a big difference. The vendors – knew about it. first one of the company I'm talking to, he's like, Steve, we're already brand registered. We're this, we're that, but we don't want other Amazon sellers unless we're comfortable with them. And that was the different, it was a completely different. They understood the system. They were merchant fulfilling and they're like, Oh yeah, we do. But it was a completely different discussion this year than I, and I go every year. 
um, and it's evolved. And so mm-hmm. I think we're at that place where there's enough knowledge out there, and, and whether it's in the tax departments, whether it's in the vendors, whether it's in the manufacturers, there's enough, no- or the national brands, a good example yeah. too. Uh, so that's out there. So now you got to step up and bring your game. So agenda um, is out there. The way to get tickets, prospershow.com prospershow.com and then there's a thing for tickets when they sell out that won't be available or it'll say sold out correct it will say sold out and we expect that that will probably happen a week before the show and we don't have any extra space. Don't show up at no. the door without a ticket. Yeah. Just, You're not getting in. And it's, there is security there. because I, I. But Michael Gerber is a keynote. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, very exciting. I mean, it's, it's an amazing agenda. Go take a look. The speakers are unbelievable. Um, and, I mean, some really impressive speakers. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know what else to say about that other than this is the way to grow to that next level. If you really want to create that big business. Because what you learn at this event we'll close with this. What you learn at this event is transferable to another marketplace, right? So what I learn here when I do decide to go sell in China or wherever, you know, having those processes and, and all that, I mean, this is such a stupid statement, having all those processes and all that stuff worked out, then I just go to another marketplace and replicate, right? I mean, there's a little nuances, but generally speaking, that's what it takes and uh, very exciting. Okay. All right. Uh, if somebody has a follow-up question, best way to get in touch with you? Easiest way to reach me is, believe it or not, info at prospershow.com. All those emails go directly to me, info at prospershow.com. Happy to answer questions about our show, the agenda, the speakers, you know, whatever you like. And by the way, you're going to get all this educational stuff, plus we have a trade show floor with most of the leading service providers and solution providers. So to the extent that you're thinking about who do I need to work with to streamline my processes here or there? Most of the companies are going to be there, and in one fell swoop. But it's not most; it's a hundred. There's a hundred already. Um, I mean, I you know we were chatting before. I mean, it is that's no easy task to get a hundred, and it's everybody who's anybody. And some of them are like, "Whoa, I didn't even realize they would come to this type of event." And they are absolutely again. That's that knowledge. Everybody knows it now. Um, that this is not going away. Um, and so, very very cool. Take a look at the hundred sponsors and it's every company because i always say that they have seen every problem you have jim right and so when you go and talk with them they're the ones that are going to give you some of the best advice well yeah yeah you know we've seen this handled this way oh you have that problem here's how i've seen this handled before that's huge that value that education oh love it okay so info at prospershow.com prospershow.com for tickets there's still some available um it's in las vegas i don't know if i even said that but it's it is and it coincides with asd again correct we're at the las vegas convention center um using one small part of the convention center while the asd show is in the rest of the event uh excuse me the rest of the facility so to the extent that you want to come in a day early and walk the asd floor you know by all means it's free tickets for any prosper attendee to, to do the ASD show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing show. I know we're in Vegas and Vegas isn't for everybody. We're off the strip at the convention center. So you can stay away from all the craziness of Vegas. If you like, whether you want to take an Uber into the strip and do your thing there, that's fine. But uh, for folks that are serious about coming for two, two and a half days of education, you can do that without having to deal with the craziness of Las Vegas. So, yep. Well, 
I appreciate you taking the time. Again, you are very busy, uh, way busier than I am. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, next time it won't be as long. I will get you again um, because it's just, I believe in this so much, this education, this continuing professional education. I love it. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Man, oh man, the dude is smart. Now he's earned it. He's got an amazing pedigree. You got to go listen to 147 to find out his background. And he was in, worked at Amazon. He ran big divisions. I mean, very, very smart. But I love the fact that, you know, it starts with the strategy. It's all back to basics. It's, it's funny how we've gone back to basics. But how many of us have gone away from our basics? How many of us don't have those processes in place? How many of us aren't looking at profitability of every product, right? How many of us aren't doing those things? Uh, to be honest, you know, guilty, right? So not too late. That was my one question for him. Is it too late? No. This is a chance for you to invest into yourself. And I just think it's so sound, so smart. Um, man, man, I'm just blown away. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.